lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. My name is Chase Bryson, and I'm the managing editor of Sports Stars Magazine. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Ben Enos, who is preaching positivity over these last few weeks. Ben, are you still the Ned Flanders of NorCal high school football pundits? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Don't can don't don't get it twisted. Positivity <laughs> is here to stay. Um, yes. Hello, Chase. Hello, podcast world. We are back for another week of often imitated but never duplicated football banter. So let me give you listeners a brief rundown of the world as it stands here at 7 Friday Night Headquarters. Chase feels better about life because the 49ers won and that Jimmy G jersey that he probably got on clearance really looks good now. I feel worse because Cal couldn't get the job done at Notre Dame and the world is left wondering when Chase is going to be ready to launch his YouTube influencer career to truly propel this show to the heights it deserves. I think that's an accurate assessment of where we're at, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess the world, so. The world according to Ben. <laughs> I was worried that the, the crack in, in your positivity veneer might show up. That's seeing as how that uh, Cal game went and invented uh invented offsides penalties and uh you know but i'm i'm impressed that you still come in here relatively positive yeah let's uh, i want to get this out of the way right away i understand where we find ourselves with officiating in the world today and i'm usually that guy that says everyone is human and mistakes happen that mistake cannot happen fabricating an offsides call is unacceptable at all levels of the game now if we dwell on this for too long my infectious positivity is going to turn into a soul-crushing depression that leaves nothing but sadness and gloom in its wake but we better stop talking about cal football all right that uh that said i did you know I'll, i'll turn it back around i did enjoy getting to watch the bears on national television and they did put a scare into the fighting irish now one day earlier you were actually the one that got to watch some football on a big grand stage. And you even got to rub shoulders with the aforementioned YouTube sensations on the sideline. Chase, what was it like to be part of the media hurricane that seems to be pirate stadium this year? My goodness. First off Friday was the first time since before COVID that I felt the pirate stadium experience was all the way back. Maybe even then some, it was nuts. It was crowded, and yes, there was the YouTube football sensation destroying, who I had never heard of, but all the kids at Pittsburgh knew and wanted to uh, to meet and take photos with and get autographs from, which was all fine and dandy until you need to try and get onto the sideline. Uh, it was it was crazy. A near packed house, the band sounded terrific. It was really a cool atmosphere, and the game was good too. I believe that Pittsburgh may be the slightly more talented team than Folsom after watching that game but the Bulldogs played a much cleaner game overall and deserved to win it which they did 23 to 15 and contrary to so many other Folsom wins in recent years this one can almost be fully credited to defense and special teams the Bulldogs got four interceptions from four different guys blocked a punt to set up a go-ahead touchdown in the third quarter then blocked a field goal and returned it for a 23-7 lead early in the fourth and that was pretty much it even though uh, Jaden Rashada found 
Zach Card on an 80-yard bomb on the next play, which is pretty cool. But Pittsburgh was hampered by penalties and turnovers much of the night, just couldn't get a really good rhythm going on offense. However, I will say, and Coach Victor Alley said this too, the Pirates' defense was quite good. Uh, in fact, the Pirates outgained Folsom by more than 110 yards in total offense. Uh, it just shot itself in the foot too many times. And Coach Vic Galley said that, you know, that it's it's not the end of the world. It's only one loss. Um, certainly disappointing. They they felt like they could have played better, but um, they hung in there. And, you know, if they get a chance to play that team again, maybe they don't make as many mistakes and it might be a much, much closer game. Uh, still, it was a one-score game. I mean, it was only eight points. There wasn't nearly as much pageantry where you went last week. But you came away with a pretty good story, which folks could read right now at sportsstarsmag.com. Tell us what you learn about El Cerrito and Foothill. El Cerrito, yeah, talking about the big men. Um, it's funny, you went where all the people were. I went where seemingly none of the people were <laughs> when it comes to the media, uh, which is good. I, I'm I'm continuing my campaign to stay under the radar in pursuit of good stories this year. So that was uh, that was fun for me. You know, last year, remember, we made a big deal of El Cerrito testing itself against Monta Vista, um, stepping up in class, going to an EBL school, and that didn't uh, go so well for the Gauchos. This time around, I'd say it was about the same type of test to go to Foothill. You know, you're playing a larger division school. You're going on the road. This time, they were far more prepared, I think, uh, and and really ready for the test. Like you said, I wrote about the O-line for the Gauchos because I think they're, they're really the engine for El Cerrito. We talk about the defense, and rightfully so. They held Foothill to seven points. I will say Foothill didn't have Chris Lawson in the lineup, uh, so that hurt. But um, El Cerrito's defense has been good for several years under Coach Rincon, and uh, no different this year. But the name to watch this year and next year, because he's a junior, is Tome Vukiso, the left tackle for El Cerrito. I really believe he's a next-level talent. Uh, he's playing left tackle this year, but I think he'd be a really good guard at the next level because of his size, his agility, his athleticism. He had a sack on uh, on Friday night, so uh, really just a good athlete. Um, yeah, you know, El Cerrito played their, their typical game and got a really good win. Tony McAdoo with almost 190 yards on the ground. They are 4-0 heading to Vacaville this week, and if they can manage another win, I would not be surprised at all to see them go 10 and 0 in the regular season. So it's uh, all good things uh, in gaucho land right now, for sure. They are 4 and 0, not 5 and 0 like your editor and in your four headline. 4 and 0, yes. <laughs> we don't we don't need to spend any time with me, you know, ripping <laughs> editors in my life. Yeah, it's a constant problem in my life, but it's okay. Yes. Well, we're not officially at the halfway point, but we're close. Uh, we've seen a lot of football now, um, a little over six weeks, actually. Um, so this week will mark the first night that a lot of league play will get going. And it'll be the last night of non-league action for others. And a lot of teams are also on buys this week. So it's as good a time as any for a check-in on things. And what better way to do that than our favorite segment, Fill the Gap. So I will get you started with this one. The team I'm most surprised by so far is blank. We need cool theme music for fill the gap. Like fill the gap <laughs> something, something like that. Um, all right. The team I am most surprised by so far, I'm going to give you two. Uh, I'm going to give you one that I'm surprised by in a good way and one uh, in a not so good way. 
So I'm going to start with the good because I'm Mr. Positivity, of course. I've been surprised by St. Mary's of Stockton. Nobody would ever be shocked that Tony Franks has the Rams firing, but in starting 4-0, they've outscored their opponents by, hey, wait for it, 209-43 to combined score. Jeez. And they replaced a quarterback, an all-world recruit, and a whole lot more. Uh, you know, De La Salle is hosting Folsom this week, and the Spartans have had a bunch of big games so far this year. But pay attention to that game between the Spartans and Rams in Stockton on October 7th. I'm not going to go out on a limb and predict anything crazy right now, but I'm just saying pay attention to that game. The other team I've been surprised by in the opposite direction is Clayton Valley Charter. You know, with, with all the transfers, you assume that there'd be some growing pains, but I didn't see a one and three start to the season coming. And I think you also have to call them an underdog after the bye week when they had to Jesuit on a Saturday afternoon. So while I've been surprised by what's going on, I'll also offer a counter argument. I still have faith in the program that Coach Murphy and Coach Tisa run. And I'm saying that they're going to figure things out. They will make the playoffs and they will factor late in the year. So maybe that is a limb that I'm going out on, but um, that is faith in uh, what has been a good program for years. So yeah, surprising. Both are surprising. Um, they haven't won a game on, on California soil yet. Yeah. And, and oh, and three at home. That's crazy. They're figuring things out. I mean, I'm not going to, I won't stand up for the transfer portal uh, for any school, <laughs> but when one school can get their five-star recruit, eligible in week one and one does has to wait until three, four weeks into the season. Like something is not right. So I think Clayton's got a gripe there. Um, but again, I'm not going to stand up for the transfer portal. Um, there uh, actually, I could have chosen a number of teams. So I'm going to throw this back to you. Who would you pick as your biggest surprise so far this year? Uh, I'd say for me, it's probably Deloro. I'll be honest and say, I didn't foresee the golden Eagles winning on the road at Clayton Valley, nor did I see them defeating a good Menlo Atherton team so soundly last week. I had a pretty good hunch that Casey Taylor would have Oak Ridge back on track this season, but I really didn't expect Deloro to be right back in the SFL title race discussion this quickly. So good on them. Uh, they, uh, they've they been really impressive. Speaking of traditional power programs. Yeah. <laughs> you, know who, you know who knew that they were going to be back on track last week, though? Yeah. Coach Terry Edson. He did. He was on it. Yeah. Props to him. Um. Well, since you are our resident uh, YouTuber and uh, you've now seen each of our consensus top four in our NorCal rankings, I'm going to give you your own fill the gap uh, because you're our big school expert. <laughs> fill the gap. Northern California's top CIF state bowl team and sacrificial lamb <laughs> will be True. blank. Oh, all right. So I think right now the answer is Sarah, because as good as the West Catholic Athletic League is, I think the Padres' toughest stretch of games is already behind them. Uh, maybe Los Gatos or Wilcox of Santa Clara can push them in the CCS playoffs. But barring any injuries, I think Sarah has the best best path to an undefeated season and already has wins over their two closest pursuers in, in um, Folsom and, and De La Salle. So unless they really trip over their shoelaces, I think Sarah has the best path to that game against Bosco or modern day or Centennial, one of the three. Um, there's still, you know, a lot of, there's still a lot of games to be played. And like you mentioned, that St. Mary's De La Salle game 
might matter yeah. in a in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. because St. Mary's is certainly rolling as well. Uh, it's it's Sarah right now for sure. Um, but and and this goes back to my general feeling about the bowl games now. Okay, we're gonna call them number one in Northern California. Maybe we should have the parade if they win the NorCal championship because who right. cares what they do the following week? Like that's just different football. It's a different deal. So yeah. See, that's the problem too, because now like Sarah, they go, they go undefeated. Then they get taken out of the equation. And the game that we'll really want to watch is the division one NorCal game oh, between right. whoever, you know, whoever those, you know, maybe it's the Folsom, a Folsom De La Salle rematch, a Folsom Pittsburgh rematch, um, a De La Salle St. Mary's rematch. I mean, whatever that NorCal game is, is the game that is, gonna be the one that we want to watch as opposed to sarah trying to hang with a bunch of division one uh five stars so yeah yeah and then that d1 bowl game will be good you know absolutely whoever wins the norcal d1 spot will be competitive in the d1 bowl game so um yeah that's the bracket to watch and it's unfortunate that, that that's how it is so well, I'm sure all these coaches, especially Coach Walsh, are loving the fact that we have them undefeated and going all the way. Like, <laughs> just book it. Um, so we we have <laughs> they play St. Francis this week too. Yeah, That's exactly. Cool. Like, yeah, it's just a slam dunk. Uh, well, we have a long way to go before we really start talking about who's headed to the all important bowl games. In the meantime, you've referenced them once already, but we thought we'd catch up with a team that has folks talking in the greater Sacramento area. The mighty Oak Ridge Trojans are off to a 4-0 start and last week surrendered their first points of the season in a 41-10 Thursday night win over Pleasant Valley of Chico. Casey Taylor's defense opened the year with three straight shutouts and senior Connor Dasman is one of the leaders on that side of the ball. We caught up with Connor to talk about the Trojans' hot start as well as the meat grinder that is the Sierra Foothill League that lies ahead well it's nice to welcome an athlete to the show again and we say hello to oak ridge high senior captain and defensive end connor dasman connor leads a defense that has surrendered just 10 points over the trojans first four games is a plus eight in takeaways and has three shutouts on the year let's celebrate some defensive football for once welcome to the show connor thank you very much i appreciate it chase so it's Connor. It's funny that we bring you on the show and we're ready to talk about defense and we're doing it the first week. You guys actually gave up some points. <laughs> um, we, we could have brought you on after three shutouts, but no, we waited until you actually gave up some points, but uh, it's such an incredible run. You guys have been on early in the year, uh, three shutouts. It's almost unheard of uh, at any level of football. What, what has been going so right for you guys on the defensive side of the ball so far this year? Well, I will say, though, definitely the takeaways, you know, I mean, coming out of every game and, you know, before, you know, every week, I always tell my boys um, that, hey, we got to go out there, we got to punch them in the mouth, we got to get ready to go, you know, doesn't matter who they are, even if it's Vacaville or Silverton, you know, reigning state champions of Oregon, you know, I told them, hey, we got to go out there, we got to punch in the mouth and set a tone. And then, but yeah, then again, the key, the key thing about our defense was just the takeaways, you know, it just sets the pace of the game and, you know, these are offense rolling, so that's just kind of how it was. So we're recording this on Saturday afternoon, which is exactly a uh, which is exactly one year 
to the day since you guys lost 54-7 to Folsom, starting a four-game slide that eventually led to a shocking 3-7 and seven season. And when our writer Jim McHugh uh, did a season preview on you guys in early August, mm-hmm. quarterback Maddox Barella was quoted uh, saying, Oak Ridge doesn't go 3-7. and seven. Uh, So how difficult was last year, and what's been the difference so far this season? Well, well, definitely the team bonding experience we've had, you know, especially over summer. I mean, I know that going three and seven sucked last year. I mean, we all had high hopes that we'd make playoffs. Just, you know, we were one game short last year. I mean, but definitely the team bonding, you know, just over summer at SOU. That was the the turning point of Oak Ridge right there. I'll just say that right now. And also the new coach changes. So, I mean, that really is a big uh, difference. So, I will say that. Uh, We're unabashed fans of Coach Taylor. Uh, on this podcast we've known him a long time all of the guys that work at sports stars have known him a long time what uh how have you guys had to uh transition under him and then in year two how does that kind of how has that taken a step forward you know him better he knows you guys better and how much further have you come in year two under him well I mean when he first came to Oak Ridge you know because like I, I since I was starting as a you know varsity football at my junior year um Obviously, I had Coach, you know, Cavalier, so I thought I was be playing underneath him. And then I heard he's an announcer his retirement, or stepping down, I should say. But when I first heard, heard of Casey Taylor, you know, I didn't really know who he was. And people were saying that how he, would, you know, took Delroy to, you know, multiple state championships and, you know, made him go to the section titles. And I'm like, okay, that's a good, you know, that's a good thing. And obviously, last year, when goes playing as his first year, you know, new coach, new you know, transition, but definitely this year, just a whole new setup. And I, I truly appreciate him as my head coach. So I will say that though. I feel like we've all kind of like, you know, built around him as well as he's built around us. And it's just, that's why I think why we're so successful this year. So I'll say that. Um, so it, this sort of success and this kind of uh, start to the season doesn't happen just because of one or two guys. And so I think, you know, everybody's familiar with the big names on your team, the returners who uh, everyone figured were, were going to be good. But I'm curious to pick your brain on on which of your defensive team, teammates, and really it could be offense or defense, have stood out to you as a big part of your success this year. And are there any guys that have surprised you with how far they've come early in the year? Um, I will definitely say that, um, you know, changing from a 4-2 to a 3-4 defense is a big change, you know, especially, you know, a three, four, you need big guys up front. And, you know, we don't – our average guys up front are, you know, probably 210. But I will definitely say our nose guard, uh, Marcus Hoffman, you know, junior, really has stepped up his game up, you know, taking on double and even triple teams up front. And he's just causing havoc right now. And I truly appreciate that. And, you know, we're rotating ends in now. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm in most of the game and up until the second half, you know, from the point out. But, you know, we rotated guys a lot in there. We always get, you know, guys, you know, we're just physical. You know, we're just up there punching people in the mouth. And then they moved Jake Hall, the, the outside, kind of outside linebacker, kind of edge rusher type of guy. And then putting uh, Gavin Malloy, also a junior at Mike. And he's really stepped up to fill in that, you know, position. You know, I know that playing uh, linebacker is a very tough choice and very hard position to play. You know, having to call it the defense and, you know. But I will definitely say that those two guys, you know, and also our corners have really stepped up this year. You know, we, I mean, we got, you know, Dwight Martin the third and really stepping up to take, have those key takeaways and Sebastian Sutton. And then um, let's just I really say that those guys, those guys are really making a big difference on our team. So I'm just, we'll say that. Takes the village, man. <laughs> <laughs> team football. <laughs> uh, so 
I'm not, nothing that I'm about to tell you is going to surprise you. Obviously, it was another five and zero week for the Sierra Foothill League as it continues to lay waste to non-league opponents from throughout NorCal. The league is now twenty-three and four with three unbeaten teams, and still one more week to go before you all start beating up on each other. How much do you guys notice what some of these other SFL teams are doing? And even though some of them are rivals, do you take a little pride in, in what the league is doing right now? I will definitely say that we have one of the toughest leagues in California. And I, I take pride to say that I am part of that league and I get to, you know, go out there and go against some of the best kids in the state. You know, like I think that's a big pride thing, especially people like, you know, from kids from Folsom, Delroy even, and Rockland. Like those kids, you know, they're just physical kids, you know, they're not, you know, in Granite Bay, you know, it's like, those guys are not going to go down without a fight, you know. Like everybody is going to be playing against each other, like it's like a, like a, a royal rivals. Like it doesn't matter if you know. So, so I will say that. So definitely. Every week, every week a rivalry game. That is uh, <laughs> that's a tough road. Exactly. <laughs> you guys get to start that league with Folsom, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Not not easy out of the gate. No, definitely not. But honestly, I, I love that challenge. You know, it's. I, I just want to be Folsom, you know, it's just kind of like the one thing I, you know, I just want to be Folsom before my, you know, before my high school career ends. So that's our big takeaway this year. It's definitely yeah. Folsom. Well, you get the chance right away, but uh, first comes uh, one more non-league game. So we'll, uh, we'll cut it off there and let you get, uh, start getting prepared. It's Friday night. Tur- uh, Pittman of Turlock comes to town for 7 PM kickoff against uh, Oak Ridge. Uh, Connor, thanks. Uh, thanks again for taking some time to chat and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Well, thank you for hosting me, Ben and Chase. I truly appreciate you guys' time. So thank you very much. Right on, man. Take care and uh, good luck. Hey, hey, thank you. appreciate it. All, All right. right. Sounds good, man. And now we're going to take a quick time out for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. At some point, your community will be challenged. It could be a flood, forest fire, hurricane, or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded. Protect the threatened. Save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. Well, we now move on from one of NorCal's top defenders to a guy who yelled things at defenses for most of his coaching career. Now he just likes to yell at us and apparently his fantasy football partners, as we learned last week. Coach Edson was in San Diego last week to watch De La Salle win Cathedral Catholic. We'll ask him about that, as well as the Spartans' big game hosting Folsom this week. And is that game a rivalry already? I don't know. Let's listen in. Well, we welcome the third member of our crew, Coach Terry Edson, back to the show. And Terry, while we won't ask you to be the journalism enthusiast that we know lies deep within you, We do want to recognize that your questions for Coach Galley last week actually shed some light on the game that nobody else did. Soon you'll be taking Chase's job as editor of an internationally renowned periodical. (laughs) Well, yeah, that would not be a good idea. English is really not my strong suit. I'd I'd have to give everything to my wife to edit the English major and former English teacher who I'm in trouble because she just found out they came FedEx. I left my credit card down in San Diego. I was trying to sneak that one by, but she just called me. When are you going to tell me this? I go, uh, to be honest, I wasn't planning on it, but I guess I'll have to get full confession after I do this podcast. 
Well, that leads me to my first question. Did and you... I was down there for like an hour before the game. I mean, that's how bad it is. Okay, go on. Let's <laughs> just say that leads me to my first first question. Did you enjoy your weekend in San Diego? Weekend? It was not weekend. It was oh. 15 hours, literally. Right. Uh, yeah, I got there at 5. Uh, I spent an hour with uh, at the Del Mar Hilton, which is the cruelest place I could ever stay because <laughs> – it is literally right across the street from Del Mar, which just closed the week before. So that was someone's idea of a cruel trick to play on me. And um, I, uh, I uh, caught up with an old high school friend of mine, lives down there. And then I went to the, for like an hour and 10 minutes and then he showed me to the game. And um, I went to the game. I went back to the hotel, got up at 5 a.m., took a 640 flight out. And here I am. Yeah. So it's right. literally like 15 hours in beautiful San Diego. You really could be a journalist. <laughs> I could be. Felt like one. How did you feel the Spartans looked? Um, the Spartans, I feel, are making a, um, progress incrementally uh, every game. They needed their uh, big time play. They needed their big time players to make big time plays, and they did. We had, you know, four long plays. Uh, two out of Charles, one out of Journey. So Charles Greer, Journey McCoy, I uh, thought we passed the ball a little bit better than we have, even though we had an early pick in the game. Um, we still need to, um, our run defense was, you know, overall pretty good, um, but we still play action pass is still getting us. And we still, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of mix and matching because of injuries. Now guys are starting to come back. So I think things will start gelling for the Spartans even even more as we move along. But, you know, they're three and one. They're a field goal away from being a four and oh. So I know uh, it lost to Sarah and everyone's pushing the panic button, but I just, you know, this is going to be a great game this weekend against, you know, this Friday against Bolson. This will be the acid test. And so we're looking forward to seeing uh, how we progress. Yeah, it doesn't the road doesn't get any easier uh, this week with Folsom in town. And on that note, we thought you we would give you our uh, fun fill the gap segment to break this thing down. I'll give you a statement and you fill in the blank with the emotions of this week's game. Obvious the message that you would most hammer home to the Spartans this week would be blank. Oh, you got to play without you got to play without any regrets this week. This is uh, the you know, the Sarah game, because of what happened to Sarah game, this, this, you know, comes down to it for the postseason. If you want to go to the open, this is your season. So you've got to put it all, all on the line this week. You got to have no regrets. You can't look, watch film on Saturday and go, oh, I could have done that. I should have done this. This is the game where it's full out effort every time. Cause it's just the game can turn on one play when you have two evenly matched teams. As you found out with, um, you know, uh, Pittsburgh and Folsom, you know, it just one missed block on a punt team, one missed block on a field goal, and, and the game turns. And uh, you have to look at it, too, that you can turn the game in one play. You know, uh, a pick here, a cause fumble there. It's going to, when you have close games, it's going to be, a, you know, teams always say, Oh, and I, you hear it all the time, right, with coaches. Um, oh, we killed ourselves. I'm like, yeah, well, 
I've never heard anybody, you know, uh, not think that way, but penalties, turnovers, that's part of the game. I mean, you have to overcome those things uh, during games. And if if you do it more than the other team, you very good chance you're going to lose. So that's part of the game. You have to cut that stuff out in big games. I've got a, I've got a couple of questions here. So uh, among many of the celebrated parts of the high school football experience are rivalry games. And because, of, and because of its long history of dominance in the East Bay and NorCal until recently, it's never really felt like De La Salle has had a rival or like a true rival. Maybe Pittsburgh a little bit to agree, but Pitt has its own rival going back 100 years with Antioch. De La Salle's approach to building out a diverse schedule too, kind of to challenge itself, often me often has meant like six to seven different opponents each year. So it's been hard. So I've got two questions. Do you feel like the school and program misses out in some respect by not having a routine foil that it and the Spartans community can gear up for each year? And then two, could Folsom be that program maybe, which doesn't, I mean, it doesn't show any signs of regressing anytime soon and has already shown it's not afraid of the Spartans. Is that potentially a, a rival that could stick around for, for some time? I, I or? think that, that's a great point. You know, so when I first started coaching, you know, we had the old CAL and even then, we, we didn't really have a rival because, you know, when I, I was at, when I went to Moreau, O'Dowd was our rival. Um, you know, I guess Salesian maybe would be uh, considered that rival back when I first started coaching. But then, you know, as we moved around leagues and all that, you're absolutely right. Pitt was always um, Antioch. Uh, we always had, you know, I think a good little rival with Monta Vista, but it does, it's pales in comparison, Monta Vista, San Ramon. That's always the big rival. So, you know, remember at the remember back in the day, you know, with our schedule, they'd always put the rivals to be Foothill, Amador, um, Monta Vista, San Ramon, Granada, Livermore, De La Salle, Cal High. <laughs> that's like, right you know they got our own our own players coaching there Eric Valici. you know it's like that's not a it's not a rival game you know <laughs> so then our kids obviously they come from different areas so there's not like one school so I, I would agree with you that if you're going to say like if we had a a, a modern day rival for Dallas High School it would be Folsom that that would be a a, a good analogy right there so I mean, you teach the kids still, you're around the program. So you, I'm, I'm sure you've got a sense. They wanted to be both St. Francis and Folsom this year for very different reasons. If you had to guess, which one is going to mean more to them? I mean, they've already beaten St. Francis, obviously, but do you feel, is there maybe a different level of anticipation for Folsom than there might've been for St. Francis? Yeah, I, I would think that, yeah, the Folsom is, is going to be the game. Uh, for this year in their minds because that one was pretty fresh because you know it, it it ended their season that was the whole thing right their season was still alive you know even though they lost to St. Francis at St. Francis once again uh, another last second you know uh, loss on the basically almost almost the last play of the game and so then Folsom of course that was a, a bittersweet you know Siegberry getting tackled at the one yard line going for two. So, you know, the Spartans have, you know, I know they've lost three games, but all of them have been at the, you know, at the last second. I think everyone's got to take that into consideration as well. But I, I do think the when the Spartans were lifting, you know, in the off season, getting ready for the, in the games, you know, there was uh, 
the, probably the re, I'm not saying they called it that. I'm just making it up in my mind right now. But the, you know, the revenge tour. We got to get back at St. Francis, and they did that. Now it's time to uh, get back at Folsom and and try to right the ship a little bit. And they they understand the importance of of this game and what it means. Well, that's that's pretty much what we have for uh, for this segment. Appreciate you uh, stopping by as always. But no talk about the Raiders yesterday. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh my! Oh no, Chase is, Chase. I was trying to be this. nice, Terry. Although you should be, we should get this on air. In the um, was it Chase was the first half, the end of the first half of the 49er game. Chase sends a scathing text message lamenting that the 49ers pass rush has no sacks on Geno Smith. Meanwhile. There's the, a, a key number in the score column of that game that I had to remind him about. Maybe the pass rush wasn't doing so poorly. <laughs> yeah. You know, football fans, there's always something they have to be concerned or worried about. Or, you know, everyone, you know, everyone always says that, right? I always laugh at that. You know, where's the pass rush? Well, you know, the guys blocking for the quarterback, they're professionals too, Ben. You know, I just they're not playing against, you know, a bunch of nobodies out there. Those guys are getting paid to block as well. So it's not always as easy, but um man, oh man, it's just I had friends texting me, you know, and capitalized with exclamation mark, Raiders, you know, and I kept saying, too soon. Too soon. You gotta go. <laughs> just hold on here. I've watched the Raiders for too long, and um, it's crazy. I just don't understand that organization. I mean, I grew up with that. I mean, when I was a kid, we never blew a twenty to nothing lead. I mean, guys would get you know they couldn't walk around town back in those days if you did something like that. It's it's just it, it doesn't matter. It's, no matter who coaches them or change the personnel, they just do head scratching things. All the, it's just a the organization. I just drives me nuts. A couple of those Not plays a, that Kyler Murray made, I've never seen plays of that length of time with a guy just running around. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he exhausts you because you don't get him at start. Do you think those two hundred ninety pound guys? gonna chase him around that just forget it yeah i you knew that all that was coming then aj green you know he misses two he passes he's got his hands and he makes that great catch you know for the two-point conversion i mean uh you can see that momentum changing i felt that pit in my stomach before yeah it's not fun yeah the minute they got the the minute they got the, the two point conversion to to make it twenty three fifteen, I knew I was like the momentum was already on the Cardinals side. It was like this was yeah. When thought. that starts happening, you start. That's when you go to the offense and go go down and score. Come on, we need <laughs> right. you. Man. All right, coach. Well, we will see you again on Thursday, where uh, you will get a chance to expand on your on your good week. Uh, two and one, week. and ready to go. Three and zero. Oh. This week, um, uh, it's a lot. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. We will see you on Thursday then. All right. See you guys. All right. Well, we thank Terry for joining us as always. And uh, we're reminded that it's not easy to be a fan of De La Salle football right now. Not, not because of any results or anything, but because they literally never get a week off. I mean, man, big game on big game on big game. So we go now from the unbridled energy of a big game 
to the nap-inducing tones of your weekly info read. Chase, tell the people what they need to know. You know, if we keep the, if you keep this up, you might have to take over the read for a couple weeks. I would spice that thing up so hard. <laughs> I could read it in a British accent. <laughs> oh, that's going to happen then. We're going to have to make that happen. Perfect. All right, here we go. First of all, we'd like to thank Oak Ridge senior Connor Dasman once again for jumping on with us, as well as Coach Edson for making his usual stop. We build seven Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for seven Friday night and please rate and subscribe. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at, at @sportsstarspods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine at, at @sportsstarsmag. That's where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and designed by yours truly. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips, who performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area. And that wraps us up. Uh, let's let's go with your final thoughts, Ben. Well, it's a sad week in a way. My record of chasing stories in little watched places is coming to an end. I'm actually the one going to a primetime matchup. So I'll see what if I remember what to do at a big game, and I'll try to avoid giving a donation to the Walnut Creek Police Department like I gave at the last De La Salle game I went to. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're entering that period of the season where I think attrition starts to set in. Lots of teams on buys, lots of teams looking forward to league play. Uh, so we'll see what sorts of surprises await us this week. And uh, I'm looking forward to Thursday's pick show where I can attempt again to keep closing the gap on your reign of terror at the top of our standings the the possibilities are endless that's right you've uh you did you did close the gap i'm starting i'm starting to lose some steam so tune in on thursday to find out who we're picking this week and uh until then we'll see you soon jimmy g for president 2024 <laughs>